Welcome to the On It Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Kingsbury, Director of Human Optimization, and I'm joined by the most jacked and tanned, the smelliest of the smells, Mark Smelly Bell, here at On It. Uh, he is a fantastic dude. I got to meet this guy at my old strength coach, Jesse Burdick's wedding, where he was the best man. And uh, we'll dive into that a little bit more on the podcast. But if you're familiar with Mark, um, he's a power lifter. He's squatted over a thousand pounds. Uh, he's 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 dropped a ton of body fat using the ketogenic diet. He's quite inspirational and really dives into the the nonsense, you know, and the dogma that is attached to all forms of weightlifting and things like that, and just how to get the most out of exercise, training. What are those best practices? And he's also the host of Mark Bell's Powercast, which he's had a number of great guests on, including myself. I think you guys are going to dig this guy, and then you can dive in a little deeper later on into Mark Bell's Powercast if you're not familiar with it already. Thanks for listening. On it fucking podcast, my man, Mark Smelly Bell. I can't believe I'm here in how person. Did, how did you get the nickname Smelly? Oh, start? my God. Uh, two mean older brothers growing up, and uh, I hated taking showers. And uh, my other nicknames were worse than Smelly. Vinegar Butt was my original nickname, and thank God that didn't. <laughs> thank God that didn't we stick. We gotta run that back. I know, I know. Uh, and I, yeah, a bunch of terrible nicknames. They they just always beat the shit out of me, made fun of me, and so uh, they realized that Smelly made me sad and made me cry, and so that name stuck. Yeah, here I am. So I'm smelly and I'm sticking to it. Like that'll never stick. I hate that fucking. Name. I hate you guys. Like, oh, okay, that's the one. <laughs> I'm gonna go bury your Star Wars figures in the front lawn, you bastards. That's what I did. They couldn't find them, and then a big plow came and like like redid our front lawn or whatever, and they could never find their Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and whatever else they had at the time. Back to the Earth they go. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that breaks down. So if they really wanted it, they could go fishing for it. Somehow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'd no, dig yeah. Up, dig They'll, up that brand new it's lawn. Still, it's still there in Lagrangeville, New York, somewhere. Poughkeepsie. Shout out Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. <laughs> I got one of my boys from uh, growing up. Mike Katz is from Poughkeepsie. Not no the way. Mike Katz and Pumping Iron. Oh, you got me all Mike excited Katz. there for a minute. Where's yeah. my crusher and my T-shirt? <laughs> yeah, different Mike Katz. So we got you here in Austin. Yeah, I love this area. It's, it's fucking nice. It's fucking beautiful, right? It's really cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I got to meet you at... Uh, been a fan of yours yeah. for a long time. Where Got to meet you at Jesse Burdick's wedding. Oh, yeah. Our good friend. Yeah. My old strength coach. That was a best crazy, man. crazy wedding. We were talking about it the other day. We were like, was that real? Did they really roll out a taco truck after we ate? And they really rolled out a dessert truck after we ate? I think they ate? knew the clientele they were serving. Like, yeah. hey, we'll have dinner, but all you fuckers are going to be starving once we start dancing and moving. So <laughs> we'll have round two. We'll have our late night course. You said Sturette was uh, talking trash, right? He was yeah. like, I'm going to eat four pounds of ice cream. Kelly Sturette was And he had like, one scoop. We, we going off diet? We going we gonna to do this? We going we going, we going to high carb it up? I'm like, carb night, motherfucker. Let's get down. Yeah, and then I had four <laughs> scoops of ice cream. Couldn't even move. And he's still working on his first. And he's like, oh, you beat me. All the, There were so many kids there. Uh, it, the, all the desserts got scavenged. I didn't get much. So I was, yeah. was kind of sad. I need a do-over. Yeah, I don't think you would have eaten much though. Nah, I probably wouldn't have. Well, it was so hot, and you know the thing That's that true. freaked it was me a out degrees. was that everyone up there, including Kelly and Jesse, were just beating sweat off their face. Oh yeah, and I am too. Watching Everybody you guys, was... but you had no sweat on your head, so I thought something was wrong with you. Like maybe he has heat stroke, or something's going on <laughs> hey, where his body's in shock. Buddy, never let him see you sweat. <laughs> never let him see you cry. 
That's think right. is, is what it is. But never let them see you sweat. Is that is that interchangeable? Yeah. Uh, you want people to think that it's easy. You want people to think that you don't actually have a job or work for a living. That's what a lot of people. That's the people in my family. I they still don't know what the fuck I do. It's so easy. I don't even sweat when I work out. That's right. Yeah, last time I was here, I, I jumped in a class with uh, Isik, messing around with those uh, mace, mm-hmm. those mace things, steel maces, and it was. Uh, he was like, "I was trying to break you, but he's like, you just had a smile on your face the whole time." I was like, "I'm too dumb to realize how bad it hurts." Well, I'm sure the heaviest <laughs> weight we had was still a pecker weight to you, so even though it was an odd yeah. device, well, it he, wasn't that heavy. He actually thought I was smart because I I grabbed like a ten or something. He was mm-hmm. like. I was like, hey, man, I've been training for a long time, and I know that anything different is different. <laughs> and you got to yeah. be careful. First one I bought was a seven-pounder. I didn't realize the length was shorter, so that kind of messed with the mechanics mm. a little bit. But You like it longer. Seven-pounder. You like it longer. There we go. Let's go right, <laughs> right right, to the dick jokes. I was talking. I had Dr. Andy Gulpin out here after. after oh, no. Uh, he was on your podcast. That guy doesn't know shit. Yeah, he knows nothing. You know nothing, a, John Snow. He's a doctor of what? But I told him, I was like, man, the pot, I loved him on Rogan's, but the podcast he did on, on your PowerCast with you and Jim McDonald yeah. was fucking fire. And I felt like I was sitting in the locker room just listening in on a bunch of guys dropping dick jokes yep. to each other. And it made me miss you. I wanted to be in on that action <laughs> for sure. That's uh, the environment that we have at the gym. It's always like that. Super training is like that. Uh, it's like you know, Donald Trumpish, Matt Lauerish. Yeah, yeah, with all the sexual harassment Kevin, shit. Kevin Spacey-ish. Oh, my God. But not Bill Cosby. We're not going that far. <laughs> <laughs> no one's getting drugged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, with all the stuff we have going on at Super Training and at Slingshot, that is the environment. It's definitely a locker room environment. We try to just let everybody know, like, there's going to be profanity. There's going to be all kinds of rude, lewd, whatever stuff going on. Anybody has a problem with it, just say it, and we'll get it out in the open, and then we'll move on, you know? So yeah. it just has that. You've been around it your whole life, being involved in sports. It's just it's just the way it is, the way it goes. Yeah. Tons That's, of farts, tons of dick jokes. There's beauty in that, though. And I think that's, uh, you know, obviously there's a line, you know, and there's... Right, there's, right, right. There's there's quite a bit of banter going back and forth on Twitter <laughs> on, on what that where that line should be and what we yeah. should or should not be able to say. And I think a lot of people... That have experienced the beauty in being able to speak freely and fuck around with your friends and yeah. make fun of one another appropriately where nobody's getting hurt and you know, all these little I think snowflakes dick, aren't up in arms about it. I think dicking around is a is a crucial thing. You know, you have to be you have to have the ability just to be kind of messing around and, and throw, you know, throw shit on the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. There's a something that I've gotten quite a bit over the years is just that it's not that serious. Everyone takes life so fucking serious. Yeah. They take their workout so serious. Like, not now. You know, like, they, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I don't want somebody fucking with me when I'm trying to PR on a deadlift or something like that. But, right. But, you know, there's a time and a place yeah. to just loosen up and laugh and have a good time. And, yeah. And that shouldn't be taken from us because well, life's that's serious what, enough. I think that's what people have enjoyed about super training. And that's what they've enjoyed about following along on the, uh, the YouTube channel is that the gym is that way. It mm-hmm. is. It's meant to be fun. Yeah. Um, we don't have to do it. We, um, it's something that we got obsessed about, so now you feel like you have to do it. Um, but it's something that we have an opportunity to do, and it's it's a lot of fun. And if you go in there with the mindset, you, you got your butthole all clenched and your, your fists all clenched and you're, you're trying to make it happen today, it doesn't work that way. Things take a long time. And if you're only you know 20 years old and you're listening to this podcast right now, Five years seems like a really long time, but if you're 55 years old, five years isn't shit, right? So yeah. 
it, it's all about perspective and uh, I like to have a good time because that's how I'm able to have consistency. That's really what we're talking about. So if my squat is way off and I can only squat 315 for, for some reps or something like that, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to sweat it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to get upset about it and mad about it because it's just where I'm at for that period of time. And I'm doing this for, for, I've been doing this for 25 plus years I'm just going to keep doing it and there'll be times where I lift more and there'll be times where I lift less, you know? So why not have fun while you're doing it? Uh, we're all going to be in pain from it. We're all going to get fucked up from it. And why not just enjoy it while you can? Yeah. People have this idea in their head that working out or busting your ass has to just beat you to shreds and that, right. that it's not an enjoyable experience. But if you shift that, that culture into something where it's yeah. something you appreciate and you're like, man, I can't fucking wait <laughs> to get to the gym and see right. all the guys or all the girls and just have a good time and get strong and feel good. Right. Like that shifts how, how you approach it. It's not now I'm yeah. dragging my heels getting there. It's like, fuck dude, this is going to be sick. We're doing deadlifts today or we're, we're doing kettlebells today or whatever we're working on that day. It's, it's right. awesome. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, um, I think people will view stuff as being difficult or view stuff as being hard and they won't understand that. That's where that's where all the beautiful things come from is when things are hard, when things are tough. Things are designed to be hard for a reason. Um, and people want to try to take shortcuts a lot of times because that is the easier path. That is the path of least resistance. And it is uh, what, what keeps you kind of doing the same thing day in and day out. I'll have people all the time. They'll say, hey, man, I'm really inspired by you. I really appreciate all the information that you put out. And they end it with this, which makes me want to just fucking punch them right in the face is they'll say, keep doing what you're doing. It's like, fuck no, man. I'm not going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing more than what I'm doing. I'm going to keep trying different things. I'm going to keep trying new things because if I just keep doing what I'm doing, then I'm just going to keep getting to the same spot I've always been to. Yeah, it's I, like I need... doing missionary style every, <laughs> the rest of your life. Like you yeah. got to explore. you got to change it up. That's right. You need a new stimulus, right? Mm -hmm. It's got to be something different. And so that's what, that's what I'm always looking at. But again, you know, back to things being difficult, Things do need to be difficult for you to be great at something, but they don't need to start out being difficult. When you first start something, it can be easy. Exercise doesn't always have to be a war. It doesn't always have to be a battle. It can be that way. And when you develop some skill and you develop some strength and conditioning, then you can start to really get after it. But exercise doesn't have to be this difficult thing that has this huge uh, barrier of entry. You can go for a walk. I mean, there's all kinds of different things you can do. You can do body weight exercises. Uh, a lot of times at my gym, when we're um, super training and slingshot is all under one roof. And so when people are working, sometimes I'll pop in a couple of different people's office and say, hey, let's train. We get three, or three of us together, five of us together, six, seven, however many people want to join in for the day. And we'll start, we'll start working out. It could be that we're doing lateral raises and biceps and just getting a bro pump going. And we'll finish off with some sled stuff, but it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes, or sometimes it might turn into a longer session than that. Uh, I just tell people, don't even bother changing. We're not going to like, we're not going to go nuts. So just stay in what you're in and, and let's just go have some fun for a little bit. No one ever regrets it. No one ever regret. No one's ever like, oh fuck man, I shouldn't have done that workout. I mean, occasionally like if you go too hard maybe, but the, the point is, is uh, exercise does not have to be that difficult. You have to try to find something that you can consistently do. Uh, don't view it as such a big barrier that you just put your hands up and fucking give up. People don't start out with diet and exercise right away. They kind of go for one thing or the other. And then the two things start to uh, melt together. 
as you progress, as you move forward. So you, you don't have to be like, oh man, I, I keto diet and I, I'm going to start training and I'm going to be in a caloric deficit. It's like, no, 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 don't really, let's keto diet. Start with one thing. Don't eat any fucking carbs. <laughs> Cut them out for a little while. See how you respond to it. See how you feel from it. As you're doing that, research it. Try to learn more about it. As you go along, two weeks or a month, sometimes it takes two months just to even get into ketosis, just to get the hang of the diet. For some people, it might take longer or shorter. Then from there, if you want to make more progress, then maybe you start looking at some different exercises you can do, some sort of routine that you can do, some sort of strength training. But you don't have to out of nowhere just be like, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about powerlifting. Oh, I've been thinking about the keto diet. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you try both. And, of course, it's going to be super hard for you to do. It's going to be super hard for you to adapt to multiple things at, at one time. I think as human beings, we adapt to stuff really quickly. You know, something new happens on your phone. There's a new app. There's a new device. And we're like, oh, cool. And we take it for granted. And it comes and it goes. And then there's another new thing. But it's when you introduce a lot of new stuff at one time, that's when you get fucked up. Mm-hmm. And so you need to just kind of think about one thing at a time in your career in MMA. It's really hard to mix jujitsu with striking and with all these different things. It's like, let's focus in on kind of one thing at a time. Let's get this one skill down. Okay, we're going to work on striking. That's a specific time period. Okay, we're going to work on jujitsu. You're going to work on drills. After a certain period of time goes by, when your brain's not so retarded about what it's supposed to be doing, then you start to mesh everything together. Yeah, you can always circle back and try to add in different tools. You know, you don't throw intermittent fasting in with an hour-long sauna session mixed with a max effort PR or 20-rep squat day. Yeah, there's probably 12 or 15 15 things you do every day uh, for your health and fitness, maybe even more. And uh, for somebody starting out that's... It's great to know some of that stuff, but you don't need to do it all right away. Just yeah. pick, pick, pick a thing. You can think in like a week-long standpoint rather than a daily standpoint, you know, and if you're getting mm-hmm. two or three heavy weight training workouts in or, or even body weight workouts right. and you're getting outdoors, walking or hiking for a couple of days a week, and then maybe you have some yoga practice or some type right. of stretching mobility work that you're using to, to retune and heal the body, you know, that's, that's going to cover a lot of bases. That's your 80-20 rule. Yeah. For most people, right? Uh, something you said when I was on your podcast that was great was how many people always ask you, like, Mark, what's the best way to train? Should I lift like a bodybuilder? Should I do CrossFit? Yeah. Should I power lift? And you said, <laughs> the one that you'll fucking stick to. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. all good. It's all right. good. And there's, what, what, would we, what would we say in the car? Yeah. What's it, the, best, the best training? Yeah, the best training is, is the training you're currently not doing. Yeah. yeah if you're training for endurance... And you go ham on all that, then your strength is probably going to be compromised. If you uh, have a plan to lose a lot of weight, there's going to be other losses that are happening simultaneously, possibly a loss in strength, possibly a loss in overall energy. There's, there's a lot of, every time you go to do something, something else has to give. It's just, that's just the way the world, (laughs) world works that way. Yeah. Cycling through different training protocols and things like that has been been excellent for me working with you know jesse burdick and guys like you our boy jesse burdick yeah man just really getting getting to dive deep and see like how this how does this all intermesh together right you know like how can we have a program that can tackle things from all sides so there's we're really leaving like little gaps little weak areas right blind spot gets shrunken down yeah it's it's uh it's difficult and it's a it's a full-time it ends up being kind of a full-time job and that is 
on the other side of, hey, it doesn't have to be hard, it doesn't have to be difficult, at some point it will have to get harder for you to continue to make progress. If you're currently a 500-pound bencher and you want to bench 525, gaining those 25 pounds of strength is going to be harder than when you went from 405 to 425. Uh, the things that get you to a certain destination aren't going to be the same things that get you to the next des destination. Said by Albert Einstein, by the way. He said it differently than that because he's a lot smarter than me, I think. But uh, that it's true. You know, you, ha you, have, you have to do different stuff. You can't just always uh, be doing the exact same thing. And even when it comes to strength training, people will think that they have to lift maximally all the time. Well, that's that's one way to get really great results. It's also a great way to get hurt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so or burned out. You're burned like, out. It, For some people, it could it, it could last a long time where that's effective. And uh, you see this true with, with any sport where you're like, oh, my God, it's, I can't believe that's working for that guy. But sure enough, it might work for somebody for their entire career. There's, there's anomalies. There's different people that are, have different gifts for whatever reason. But uh, continuously lifting heavy week in and week out with no regard uh, to what's coming next is, is foolish. And it, it will paint you into a corner at some point. And so there does have to be some sort of method to the madness. And some people are smart about it where they'll just – Maybe one week they go heavy, and the next week they do uh, rep work. It, it could be that simple. Like one week they do a max single, the next week they're like, okay, I'm going to do something for a heavy set of eight. It's still heavy. It's still taxing. It's still a lot on your body, but the stimulus is a lot different when you're lifting 405 for eight versus trying to lift 500 for one. It's way different. Yeah, you're talking about you know, different pathways as well. One's going to be slamming the central nervous system on yeah. a max effort day. And then maybe taking a little heat off the central nervous system, but working more on the muscle, a lot of, lot more soreness and breakdown. Absolutely. On an eight rep day. Right. But all, all of it's fucking important. Yeah. And there's a lot of people right now that are, you know, the way it was explained to me a long time ago is that if you think about, um, if you think about recovery being a giant sink, right. And water that is coming uh, from the faucet, uh, kind of representing your, your workload, um, a lot of times we are that faucet and that water is coming in faster than we can get rid of it. The, the drain isn't big enough, but I think a lot of people don't understand that you can make that drain a lot bigger by introducing different things, uh, different rest protocols, uh, higher frequency. And so what you're seeing now, and the reason why powerlifters have gotten so strong in the last, it's been about, it's only been about three years or so last four years where the records have really gone fucking bonkers. They've gone absolutely insane. And people are going from, uh, people that are in drug-tested federations are beating the records of uh, people that are non-drug-tested federations. And really, uh, you know, who knows what the fuck that really truly means because it's hard to say whether someone's uh, actually natural or not. I don't, I don't really know. Uh, but I would imagine all the people that broke the records, uh, at least some of them are probably uh, natural or at least more natural than the guys that broke the records previously. Uh, anyway, my point is, is that you can increase your ability to recover. And one way to increase your ability to recover is to do stuff more often because your body will adapt to it. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to what I said originally, you can't introduce a bunch of shit at the same time. It's got to be kind of one thing at a time. So what's happening is some people are getting these tremendous gains from increasing their frequency. They'll squat three times a week or so they'll squat four times a week. Uh, Meanwhile, a lot of the people that are chasing after these great lifters, they will, they will increase the weight that they're using. 
They'll increase their frequency, and they're trying to do any and everything they can. A few people are getting through, and a few people are, are gaining you know, tremendous amounts of strength. But for the most part, people are getting hurt because they're, they're meshing too many things together. Everything can't be high all the time. Mm-hmm. I know you want to be high all the time, but you can't be high all the time. <laughs> There's going to be a time where you're going to have to function in a normal, in a normal fashion there, Kyle. That's right. <laughs> but uh, you know, if, you, if, you're, um, if the intensity is high and the volume is high and the frequency is high, uh, shit's going to get nasty real quick because then the whole point of increasing the frequency uh, and increasing um, and maybe even having less uh, rest intervals and things like that, the whole point of that is to increase your ability to recover from those workouts. And we know your the workout is only as good as your recovery from it. Yeah, when Paul Chuck was in here uh, last week, he was talking about uh, a famous quote from Charlie Francis that I'd heard, Ben Johnson's old old coach. Yeah. He said, if you're not improving 1% to 3% every time you step in the gym, you got no fucking business being there. <laughs> That's great. Right? Yeah. So that, that just goes into... It's different for everyone. Some guys, yeah. and you can see this on genetic reports like DNA Fit from the UK, they'll tell you, like, if you're shitty at recovery, you might need three or four days between heavy lifts. Right. Whereas if you're a fast recoverer and you produce a lot of glutathione and things like that, you might be able to get in there every right. day or every other day and, and go full go. Right. You know, so, but, but paying attention to that, listening to your body and figuring that out, that's free. Right. You know, you don't have to fucking you know spend 400 bucks on a genetic test to figure that out if you just pay attention no that's that's uh that's crucial and then just you know if you if you are shitty in those areas then you're gonna have to figure out how do i you're gonna get the most bang for your buck out of figuring out how to get a little bit better in some of those areas even if it's not what's going to work best for you going into a competition uh it, it is something that you'll have to figure out because if you if you're not fit and you're not in shape uh that will be a a hole in your game somewhere um, nobody wants to have to stop prematurely. Nobody wants to have to, um, have their career ended by something other than they're just like, Hey, I, I did the best I could. And I think that's the end of the road. But for most of us, it doesn't end that way. It usually ends with something horrific happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. That brings up a great point. I remember you talking with Dr. Andy Galpin on the power cast about that, how a base level of cardio is necessary just for recovery. And not only for that, yeah. but because oxygen helps shuttle metabolic waste out of the body. It's what's going to help us improve our workout. One right. of the things they talk about in you know, high-level training is post-exercise oxygen consumption. Yeah, And that's what's necessary to bring you back to baseline. How much oxygen are you, do you need to consume to shuttle all that waste out of the body? Right. Well, if you improve respiratory and cardio function, then your body's going to be better at shuttling that waste out. You're going to be better at recovering. Right. And, and it doesn't take a lot. You know, from a powerlifting standpoint, how much mobility do you really need? Um, you need a little bit, just like any other sport, you need a little bit more than what's required of you. Uh, how much more? I mean, it's highly debatable, but if I was just, if I was just after uh, injury prevention, I would say 5 or 10% more range of motion than what you're called upon to do in the competition uh, would suffice for a very long period of time. There might be uh, periods of time where you got to, Focus in on it a little bit more if an injury does arise or something like that. But I think that would be enough. And then how much cardio would you need? I think you can do uh, one uh, hit training session a week, and you can do one uh, long duration training session a week, and, and uh, some super setting during your normal workouts and stuff. I think you're good to go. So it's not like it's not like it has to be some crazy uh, high demand. It's not MMA. It's not CrossFit or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just it's powerlifting, and you need to have some sort of baseline to be able to 
recover from those workouts. But what you'll recognize, just in life in general, this is like, you know, just take this shit outside the gym. You know, the more that you can handle, the more that you can handle, the more that you do, the more that you can do, the more that you do, the more that you can become. And so if you are, you mentioned this yesterday, I thought it was really intuitive and really smart, especially because your son's only two years old. Well, this is a really good thing to, to notice as a dad. You're like, you know, the amount of time, the amount of energy I put into work, uh, I have to make sure I'm rested and stuff. And I have to make sure, you know, I'm trying to get home at a certain time so that when I come home, I'm not like just a piece of shit for my family. I need to be there for them. And mm -hmm. my son's too, and he's got a an engine that won't quit, right? Yeah. And uh, you need to be, uh, you need to be able to be a dad. You can't just be like, oh man, you know, and just on your phone or whatever. He's, he's, he, that's all he's going to understand is that you're too busy for him. You know, that you're too tired. That's, that's all he's going to, that's all he's going to see. And so those things are really important to recognize in the gym. It's the same thing. You shouldn't, the gym shouldn't, um, be crushing you so bad that you have nothing left for anything else. It doesn't really make any sense. Uh, because again, you're probably not recovering from your workouts the way that you should. I hear so many people talking about all these different aspects of, of strength training all the time, and they kind of just, I don't know, they just uh, nix all the little basics, you know, food, yeah. <laughs> you know, food, sleep, sleep. Yeah. yeah. And then also your actual, your actual program is crucial. Like if we're, if we're talking about 75 different things for recovery, but we're not talking about what you're actually doing, then, then we're being stupid. What you're actually doing is is responsible for fucking you up in the first place, and we're ignoring that, and then we're trying to tell you to you know go put ice on or go in an ice bath or whatever. Those things are highly effective, and they do work. Um, but how about you just stop training like an asshole? Yeah, Let's sure, start with that. Sure it works great, but it's not going to mitigate inflammation if you're cramming down <laughs> fucking donuts and, and nasty, you know. Absolutely. Constantly throughout the day, you got systemic inflammation at an eleven out of ten. Are and you talking to me? Bishrael drops I feel like you you're I feel like you're really. I'm, I'm looking right at you. Yeah, Mark. I feel like I'm you're looking really. Right, I'm, I'm looking through into your soul right now. Yeah. No, you've you've shifted. Let's let's talk about that because uh, you know our boy Jesse Burdick sent me this glorious picture of your face that looked like it looked like was the it the off off eyes. the team face? <laughs> Let me fucking pull it up. I'll see if I can show it to the camera here. Oh my god! But um, yeah. We By were, the way, when I was super fat like that, I was still I still kept still in strong as fuck. Well, I was strong, but I still kept in some Let's level see if we can get that on of the camera uh, fitness. There. There, there's our boy. There's our boy. Yeah, Let that's a see. glorious pick. Oh, you're off. <laughs> that's the you're off the team face. The legendary. <laughs> so there's a story to that picture. So uh, I'm glad Jesse sent that. Um, I'm traveled with Jesse Burdick. He and I did uh, a lot of seminars around the country. We started doing seminars for CrossFit, and we were doing powerlifting. Uh, certification courses for them um jesse and i would always be always fuck around the entire time you know we were we were traveling always messing with each other and stuff so dick dabbling a lot of dick dabbling we get to the hotel room and he just like sprawls out on the like he just takes everything off second he walks in he did this every time he just take everything off sprawls out on the on the bed he's like uh you know just totally laid out in like a star position at hands and legs and <laughs> Just going everywhere. I'm like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. It's like scratching his nuts and everything else. <laughs> just in his just in his boxers. That's that's and, and a pair of socks, of course. One to, ball hanging out of the bottom of the boxers. Add, yeah, to add to the sexiness. And I'm like, this is the most disgusting fucking thing I've ever seen. And I'm on the other bed and I'm like on my elbows, like um, I'm, you know, uh, face down, right? 
and I have my phone with me and I'm like, I'm going to get this motherfucker. I'm going to take a picture. and I'm just going to post it right away without even saying anything. So I go to take a picture and I'm like lining it up. <laughs> and just as I go to take a picture, I, it's in self, selfie mode. <laughs> and I snapped that beautiful picture right there. And then I started laughing. He's like, oh my God, what are you laughing about? And then so I sent him the picture while he's laying in the other bed and he fucking fell off the bed. He was like, holy <laughs> shit. He's like, that is the fattest fucking face I've ever seen in my life. So that's, that's, uh, that's where that fat face picture came from. I love it. So one of the things that people, you know, in, in powerlifting or, or other sports, you know, like we had Matt Vincent out here talking about the Highland Games and things like that is strength at all costs. Yeah. As big as I fucking can, strong right. as I can, and I won't worry about longevity, health, or, or kind of how I feel when I sleep at night, how I right. feel when I'm walking or picking up my kid. And so they kind of leave. They can. This isn't everybody. You know, guys like Jeremy, Jeremy Avila are fucking just shredded, jacked to the gills. Yeah. Um, but there's this other piece, you right. know, and as you turn the corner and you fucking lifted crazy weight, 1,080 right. pound squat, right? Yep. Shit like that, you know, and you get to a point where you're like, maybe I don't need to weigh this much anymore. Right. So you've kind of gone switch direction. <laughs> I mean, you're fucking shredded, jacked and tanned, looking great, brother. Yep. And what, what really got you into going into ketosis and really trying to shift that? So uh, to back the whole story up a little bit... Um, when I was a kid, I was probably about maybe about 16 or so, and I was playing football. And I remember, you know, when I was about 15 or so or 14, somewhere in that age, I was uh, around 200 pounds. I was a pretty big kid, and I wanted to be bigger for football. So I started eating cereal and pasta, and I started doing all this stuff. Well, I got up to 240 pounds, and at one point I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm, like, wrecking people on the football field, but I'm fucking fat. Like this is how am I supposed to get any chicks this way? This isn't gonna this isn't gonna pan out so well, you know. And uh, I was strong and stuff, and I was already into training and and all that stuff. But I just wasn't eating properly, so I was gaining a lot of fat. And so um, I decided I wanted to go into a powerlifting meet. And when I went into powerlifting meet, I wanted to try to drop weight, and I wanted to try to like get into the two hundred twenty pound weight class. And so I was reading up about bodybuilding diets, and I was like, okay, I'll just cut out all the fat. And I'll keep the carbs high. I'll eat chicken breasts and rice and all these things, right? Yeah. That's what I thought would work. And, and I was losing a little bit of weight because it was just a pure uh, calorie deficit. And uh, there, I was exercising quite a bit. Um, but my performance in the gym was not great. And um, I talked to my brother about it. My brother was in, in California at the time. And he said, hey, you know, I, I'm training out here in Gold's Gym. And uh, my, co my powerlifting coach out here, he said, uh, he's got me on this diet where, he, he, you know, I don't really eat like, a lot of carbs and stuff. And uh, he was like, get a pen, you know, and, and, and write this down. I was like, okay. And so I get a pen, and he's like, here's your diet. He goes, red meat and water. <laughs> and he's like, and if you're really dying, you can have an apple. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that was kind of the start of, of the ketogenic diet for me. I lost a bunch of weight. Went to the competition, performed really well. I carved back up, of course, for the contest itself. I uh, did really well. And then used the ketogenic diet on and off from that time period, which was probably uh, like the mid-90s. Okay. And uh, I used it several times, even just in high school, just to like be in better shape. I used it. Um, used it a bunch of times to um, just to get leaner or to fit into a certain weight class with powerlifting. As I got older... 
I would use it here and there, uh, again, to fit into certain weight classes and stuff like that. But, um, I was, uh, in a competition and I was, uh, trying for like, I think a 2,700 pound total. And I was hoping to, you know, bench over 800 pounds. I was hoping to squat about 1100 and then deadlift whatever the hell I had to deadlift to get to that 2,700 pound mark. Uh, so I, I, uh, start the contest out with a 1036 squat, smashed it. It felt lighter than ever. I, my squat felt really good. And, uh, the next weight was 1085. And then the next one after that was going to be like 1115 or something like that. And, uh, as I was getting ready for this 1085 squat, I gained some weight going into this competition. And th- this is in powerlifting gear, the squat suit and briefs and all these different things. And, uh, tremendous amounts of compression are going on these things are tight and i'm fucking fat and super super bloated you know and i my leg starts kind of uh my leg's getting pretty numb and i'm like oh man like that's weird my leg is is like uh, almost falling asleep you know mm-hmm. but hey we're in competition right and i got i got some fucking goals to go after so I'm trying to ignore, I'm trying to shake it off, get in different positions. There's really nowhere to hide when you're in these suits. They're just, it's hard to explain, but they're, they're incredibly uncomfortable. And, uh, I couldn't really shake, uh, that feeling in my leg out. It wasn't like it was totally asleep, but it was, it was fucked up. And I was like, all right, well, here comes my attempt. So then we put knee wraps on, which makes it 10 times worse. Uh, the right legs just not, not feeling right. I go up to the platform and on rack 1085, Still doesn't feel right. Had an opportunity to put it back in the rack. Still didn't do it. Still trying to get after it. I start going down the squat. And because I don't have control of that right leg, it just pivots inward. And it shoots inward. And my other leg kind of shoots outward. Nothing broke or snapped, or at least I don't think it did. But I I hit the monolift uh, with my knee. I uh, The weight went flying off my back. Luckily for me, the 1,085 weight that was on my back, it... I got unloaded from it really quickly because okay. I got compressed. I got shrunk down and I'm in a, like a squat position. And then in a blink of an eye, boom, I'm on, I'm on the ground. I'm just like on all fours and the weight went behind me and didn't, luckily it didn't land on anybody. And luckily nobody, uh, nobody got really fucked up except for me. Um, and there was, you know, six or seven spotters, the platforms loaded with spotters, but nobody's stopping that freight train. That weight's coming yeah. down fast. There's nothing anybody can do about it. And uh, that's kind of the famous video that's online. It's uh, if you look up the powerlifting mentality, that's the fuck you and fuck your elbow video where I talk about how my training partner came over to like help me up off the ground. And I said, fuck you, get away from me. I'm going to walk off on my own on my own power. And I, I did, but I was fucking dying. And I, fuck you for trying to help. Yeah, me yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I got too much damn pride. And uh, so my legs immediately start swelling up. I've had all kinds of problems and shit like that for, for months, really. Um, it took me 45 minutes to go from my recliner to my pullout bed that we had in the other room. Cause I couldn't go up the stairs, uh, to our bedroom just because I was in so much pain. Uh, ankles were super, super swollen. Knees were swollen. Um, I never did end up going to a doctor cause I was like, what are they going to tell me that, uh, that I don't already know I'm fucked up. I was, I was probably fucked up before I ever tried that squat Mm -hmm. and, uh, intentionally, you know, sometimes when you do go to a doctor, you do go for some help, you go to somebody that you feel is going to give you the answer you're looking for. And so I went to a buddy of mine who does like acupuncture and stuff. And he was like, you know what? I think, I think you're gonna be okay. I think you're fine. He's like, 
you know, and uh, he's like, if you were to get an MRI, he's like, what would they compare it to? Do you have a previous MRI? I was like, no. He's like, they're just going to tell you you're fucked up. <laughs> I was like, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> he's like, uh, if, you know, if it doesn't improve every day, then there's a problem. But if it, the swelling continues to go down and you, and um, that's what I'm kind of learning about a lot of this uh, compression type stuff from Sturette. I'm using the Voodoo Floss Band uh, oh, yeah. from him and um, and Jesse Burdick. They're teaching me about all this stuff. And I remember my daughter coming over and she's like looking at my ankle and she's like, oh my God, it's less swollen than it was before. Like just, you know, she's however old at the time, seven or something. But she's able to identify like, oh, that band you wrapped around your foot's probably working. And so I kept doing stuff like that on and off. And I did end up eventually recovering from all this. But what happened was, is that it ended up giving me a lot of perspective. And perspective, in my opinion, is really crucial uh, towards empathy, towards understanding what other people are trying to do, to understanding where people are in their lives. And for me, I was like, you know what? I love powerlifting. I love being strong. But I got to have more. I got to have more to me than just that. You know, like I'm kind of almost like uh, almost like a question to myself. Like, do you, do you have more to offer than just that? And I was like, fuck, yeah, there's a lot of I have a lot of good qualities that I could offer the world. And I don't I don't need to just uh, lift fucking heavy ass weight all the time and, and compromise myself, compromise my own health. Because, um, you know, as you go down, as you go down this uh, rabbit hole of competition, it's kind of all you think about day and night. Mm-hmm. You're so passionate about it that you block out everything else. And um, it, it's it's sometimes hard for other people to understand. I'm like, fuck, man, that's kind of dumb. Well, yeah, looking back on it, some of it was kind of, I don't regret any of it because it was great. But it, it's just part of, of uh, your identity. And for me, it was yeah. too much a part of my identity. And I got lost and I was just... Uh, I was lost in, in many different ways, not just uh, not just with the training, but the other shit was fucked up too. My, just my mindset in general. So I, it was a good pivot point. It was a good time to pivot. It was a good like low, you know, I, I, having a lifting taken away from you for a while fucking sucks. And in this case, you know, it wasn't like I could go to the gym and like bench and stuff. I, I couldn't move. I was immobile basically. I could get around, you know, whatever way I, whatever way I could. And it was a a pretty tough time. Anyway, uh, from that point I was like, okay, well you can't be big and strong. So might as well shrink down. And so that's when I started, uh, messing around with the ketogenic style diet a little bit more. Um, the first thing that I did is I looked at Rob Wolf's, uh, paleo solution Mm -hmm. because I knew I didn't want to try to just jump into something and fail. I, I knew, I remembered the ketogenic diet from when I was younger and I, I knew it was always effective and it always worked for me. But I was like, I don't want to just like not eat carbs out of nowhere. I, that's probably not going to be great. Going from eating like shit to just all of a sudden pulling all my carbs away. Uh, I, I thought I'd probably fail. So I was like, this looks like a pretty good solution. The Paleo Solution by Rob Wolf. That's why I started to mess around with that diet. And I started to get some of that down. And basically it was just meat, some potatoes here and there, rice, um, vegetables, stuff, stuff like that. Real simple. And as I was going through that process, I was like, okay, you know, I lost, I don't know, 30 pounds. Um, I was 330. I got down to about 300. I was like, I could probably make a commitment now, you know, to going uh, back on a keto diet, learning more about that. Uh, Started investigating some of the information from John Kiefer. The whole time, Burdick is helping me because he's super knowledgeable. And uh, I continued to lose weight, got down to about 260. And then... (laughs) um, I started training again. My strength started to come back up. 
and what happens again, I kind of fall into a similar pitfall, but uh, this time around, it was a little different. My goal was to bench 600 pounds. I went into a competition and benched 578, which was like a 40-pound contest PR for me. And I did get hurt on the last lift, but it was just a slight uh, pec strain with 600, so I didn't get to 600. Um, but an important note there is that a lot of times the goals that we set for ourselves are myths. I think we think that we're going to set this goal, and then we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get this goal, and then and then after that, then I'm gonna switch gears and I'm gonna go after a different goal. But what happens is it's never enough. Yeah. I never set out to be a millionaire. I never set out to uh, to bench press 854. But when I benched 804, it wasn't enough. When I squatted 1,000, I, I set out to squat 1,000 pounds. I squatted 1,000 pounds. I thought I checked it off the list, but I didn't. And I wanted 1,100 pounds. And so that's what happens with your goals. I think people need to... It's still important to set goals here and there. And I think that it's even more important that your goals are like <laughs> your goals are much less than uh, than they are like this this great big huge thing that you're going after. I think uh, your your goal could be for me. I make my goals really simple so that way I can accomplish them and I can check them off the list. It's almost like a to do list rather than a goal. Um, it could be something like getting a haircut. It could be something so simple. You know, just some low-hanging fruit that can give you momentum and make you feel better uh, than you did the day before. Or general stuff, like, okay, I'm going to get a cardio session in today. I'm going to get a lifting session in today. Just, some, just something easy, something that you can do, something that's not like this uh, monumental feat of strength. But I think more importantly than goals, I think people need to understand that they need to dick around. Because it takes a long time to be good at anything. And on top of that, if you're trying to be great at something, that's something that can't be forced, uh, that can't be bought, and that takes not only an enormous amount of time, but it also takes all of your energy. And while you're focusing in on being great in one area, what's happening with the other shit in your life? Yeah. There's shit in your life, the wheels might be falling off. So it, it's, really, it's a difficult balance, it's a difficult battle, but just understand that anybody who's ever been good at anything, they spent the first couple years around just dabbling in it just messing around with it for a while well we called it dick dabbling yesterday <laughs> dick dabbling is what we ended up a couple uh, years of dick dabbling that's yeah. how you get to the top yeah it, it's important to kind of have those uh have those time periods but even with the ketogenic diet it took me a long time to learn the diet you don't just learn it from a book you know you can learn it from a book there's great information uh out there um from from many different people mark sisson rob wolf there's a lot of great books on a ketogenic style diet but you're only going to learn what you're going to learn from the book, and that's it. And what trumps all that is experience, having experience, having actually done it, having actually gone through it. Then you start to learn the pitfalls, as, as you have done with, with the ketogenic diet as well. Yeah, it definitely takes trial and error. You know, a lot of people get into that, and they're like, fuck, I've been doing this for three weeks, and I don't feel different. You know, my energy's tanked. I hear people I say stuff like that all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, there's, that's, that's the fine-tuning. Now maybe let's let's look at you know where the carbs are at. Have you really right. paid attention to getting them underneath fifty grams a day? Right. Have you you know are you eating fucking a slab of meat at night? You know is that going to kick you out of ketosis? Uh, and you know just like I said, like with with you and with guys like Burdick and people that carry a lot of muscle and they're lifting weights frequently, you probably don't need to eat under eighty grams of protein, right? You can still because your body's going to be carbs, using right? Carbs, no, yeah. I'm saying protein. Oh, protein, protein for that. Oh, you can still eat protein, a lot of protein, yeah. yeah. Too high protein will kick you out of ketosis as right, well, right? right? right. But but yeah, a yeah. fucking big dude who's lifting often, right. he's going to utilize that more, you know. Or if somebody's 
really just focusing on this diet first and going for walks and doing some body weight exercise, right. they probably need to get the protein down. Right. If they're looking at all, if everything else is good, that may be the one missing piece. But that just takes fucking fine tuning. It ta- it takes some time to learn it, and I think what are we talking about too? You know, like uh, if we're just talking about weight loss, how important is is actual nutritional ketosis? Um, it does factor in there, but I don't think it's the most important thing. I think the most important thing is is that you have sustainable energy, and that you feel okay, and that you continue to lose weight. And the way that you do that is you weigh yourself every day and you should, <laughs> over a course of time, you should, you should weigh less. And I think that's where people get caught up with this, uh, these kind of finer points. And it can be very effective where you do measure your ketones often and you do uh, try to keep yourself in nutritional ketosis because it is uh, kind of keeping yourself in check. And that can be important, but it's not the most important thing all the time. If we're talking about... Um, getting other benefits of the ketogenic diet then i think that that's when we're that's when we need to try to make sure that everything's lined up so that we are uh, in ketosis or if you have a disease or you're diabetic or some of these other things that's when it becomes more important but like for me if i'm losing weight and i'm getting leaner and i'm starting to see abs i don't really give a fuck how many ketones i'm producing I i don't really care and and if again if i feel good like do i legitimately feel good or am i feeling like shit like you know, trying to measure some of that out is, is important. So I think people get really caught up with the, the keto thing and they get really caught up. And then some people don't even know much about it. They just think all low-carb diets are a keto diet. Yeah. And that's not necessarily true. Um, I do think what I've learned from doing a ketogenic diet, and it, it's different when you've been doing it for a while. I should say that uh, just as kind of a blanket statement because when you've been doing it for a while, there's more things you can get away with. Yeah, your body's well adapted to using fats. Metabolically shifted right. before. It's yeah, not the first not its first rodeo. It's yeah, like fucking not using carbs for fuel. Yeah, your body starts to kind of get used to some of the tricks that you're throwing at it, you know. But with a with the diet, I think that people kind of they get so caught up in in what is it, you know, how much protein, how much fat. Just do yourself a favor and simplify it. Cut out, you know, cut out your carbohydrates and just start just start from there. Just try to keep them under 30, under 50, somewhere in that range per day. Uh, the other thing that I noticed um, a, lot, a lot of people do is they, they get caught up with a calorie deficit. And they get caught up with uh, intermittent fasting. They try to implement too many things at one time. Again, just focus in on the foods first. Maybe skipping breakfast isn't a great idea in the beginning because maybe just getting used to the food is the most important thing and trying to tackle the hunger thing is something that you should be probably looking into later down later down the road, two, three weeks down the road, when you're like, ah, oh, shit, you know, my progress has stopped. Yeah, it's more much easier to fast as well once you're in a state of nutritional ketosis. Right. You're like, I don't, I'm not a fucking slave to food. I don't need to eat every three hours. Right. I feel good skipping breakfast or just having a little coffee. You're right. You know, then I'll eat like a high-fat lunch and a shake, and then I'll have a big meal at night, you know, with loaded greens, yeah. some, some meat, and a lot of fat. I think that's a huge advantage of a ketogenic-style diet is that it, it's the only diet that helps with that. It's the only diet that really helps with your, your cravings. Uh, for people listening right now that really, you know, have a sweet tooth and stuff, a ketogenic-style diet will annihilate a sweet tooth. And it really, really beneficial for people that, that like snacks in general. It could be salty, crunchy stuff, or, or it could be uh, candy or ice cream or any of that kind of stuff. It just helps eliminate the junk that you're, that you're getting uh, so addicted to all the time. One of the few diets that really uh, ma- helps manage that. And then also, 
the fasting side of it. Like I, I, I thought fasting was bullshit. How about you? I mean, did you kind of, when you first started to hear about fasting, did yeah, you I like, was like, I'm going to fucking lose muscle. All this, this shit's going to happen. Stupid. And then the more science that came out, I was like, oh shit. Like there's a direct response from the body to counter that. There's an anti-catabolic response from the body to shift yeah. into far higher growth hormone levels at night, far higher testosterone in the morning to prevent muscle loss. And right. you think about our ancestors who didn't have grocery stores and didn't have refrigeration. Right. Like we went without food frequently. And in that period, if we lost fucking muscle, yeah. you're not going to finish off a two week fast and be successful on a hunt. Yeah, we're, we're pretty fragile. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when we when we act in ways that are similar to our ancestors and you don't have to call that paleo or fucking Neanderthal or any shit. Yeah. All you got to say is we do it in a way where we live in harmony with the earth, where we, we try to implement some things we might have done that our predecessors did. Maybe we expose ourselves right. to extreme temperatures like hot in the summer and cold in the winter. And maybe we spend a period in winter where we don't have as many carbs because they just weren't available then. We right. didn't have shipping containers bringing in shit from Panama, <laughs> right? Yeah, you just grab a whole giant thing of uh, almonds. You ever try to get you ever try to get an almond out of a shell? It's fucking impossible. Yeah, fucking walnuts, they're a total pain in the ass. Yeah. Just to get one walnut. It's a right. lot of work. Yeah, how many are you gonna eat? You know, back then when you had to figure out a way to get it out of its fucking shell. <laughs> you're gonna eat like five of them. It's a lot of work be, to get And you're gonna be walnuts. fucking pissed, you know? Yeah. You just throw uh, throw it all up in the air after a while. Fuck this, I'll find a different food source. <laughs> exactly. Something easier. Something I could peel instead of crack. But the ketogenic diet's been something that's always worked for me, and so that's why I, I talk about it often. I have a book coming out about it, um, The War on Carbs. You guys heard me talk about it many times over. I'm passionate about it because it's helped me. And then I'm passionate about it because the information that I've shared has helped a lot of other people. I have people that tell me all the time they've lost 30 pounds and 50 pounds and 100 pounds. And it's just, it's crazy. But the information that the, what people's beliefs are so much different than what reality is. People think that you have to have carbohydrates, and they, they think these certain things, they, these things that they think are concrete, um, but their beliefs can change. Your beliefs can change. The things that you're thinking, I was just telling you, I thought intermittent fasting was bullshit. Then I tried it, and I'm like, oh, fuck, it works. Your beliefs can change. Seeing is believing. When you actually start to try something is is going to be uh, something that's a key factor for you. So you got to give, give stuff a shot, but give it an honest try, you know? If you try a supplement from on it, you can't try it for a day and be like, give me a break, man. What are these guys selling? You, you got you to gotta give it a chance. You got to give it some time. Maybe you have to mess around with the dosing. Maybe you have to take more than one capsule. Maybe you got to take two. Maybe you have to take it for a month. These things, they, they're, they're always going to, it's, it's the worst message ever, but everything's just going to take time. <laughs> yeah. Everyone wants it now, right now. Give it to me fucking yeah. now. And I, I get it. I understand it. You know, part of running a business is under is the understanding of that. It takes me, you know, I'll see something and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to work on making that. I'm like, I'll be talking about this for the next year, you know, maybe longer, depending on what it is. And uh, true creativity takes a long time. Um, people that are creative, they don't they don't wear a watch. <laughs> they don't run on a schedule. I'm uh, consistently late to everything all the time, and it's. It's, it's not uh, because I want to be. Um, I could do a better job of it. But if something hits me that I want to get to, I'm fucking getting to it because it's important to me. And I know that it will help. Um, it'll help in some other areas at some point. So I need to fucking like write it down. I need to work on it at that very moment. Uh, Creativity is not going to just hit me like when I sit down. I'm like, 
okay, time to think of something cool. You know, it doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I'll, I'll see something or I'll, you know, be taking a shit or I'll be on one of my walks. And again, back to the dicking around theory. Sometimes it's joking around with your friends and you're like, oh shit, like that would be pretty. You know, like, you know, all these uh, rappers and stuff, their most creative lines have to come from when they're just fucking around with, with their buddies. Mm-hmm. Ass so fat, let's make a baby. That can only come from <laughs> you fucking around with one of your buddies yeah. when you see a chick's butt, right? And so I think that uh, creativity is, is something that's, that takes a long period of time. Greatness is something that takes a long period of time. And also, even within all that stuff, greatness is not like a, it's not a real thing. It's made up by everybody else. Somebody puts a ball in a hoop and everybody gets all excited. Uh, why is that guy greater than my dad? My dad's the greatest person I ever met. He's the most inspirational person to me. He provides a lot of value to me. So to me, he's great. So what are you trying to be great for? Who are you trying to be great to? If you're not great to the people that are in your household, then you're a fucking asshole, in my opinion. Um, and so I, I think that you know, with everything moving so fast and all the social media and stuff that we see all the time, it's easy to get caught up in that. How many likes you got and who said this? And we always focus on the negative comment. The one guy who's like, hey, you, you know, you're always focused on that. Meanwhile, there's a hundred other people that were super excited about whatever it is you did. Yeah. I think you touched on a great thing there that we both talked about with Dr. Annie Galpin was how you create that space. You know, it's important to have yeah. a little time each day to unplug. And yeah. a lot of that, that wonderful muse for creativity and the insight and inspiration doesn't happen when you're digesting and processing this podcast or mm-hmm. you know the tv screen or a movie or you're listening to your favorite song it happens in the in-between moments it happens yeah. between the beat when you're taking a shit when you're driving right. with no music on when you're just farting around shooting the shit with your friends yeah you know that's when you get inspired that's when you get that aha moment and you think oh fuck this is something cool we can create and do you know what's interesting about listening to a podcast or, or even sometimes music sometimes you at some point i don't know how it happens or why it happens but you just completely shut it off even though it's it's still playing and it's still just as loud as it was before you just start thinking something that you say spawns a thought or something that you know you're listening to joe rogan something he says spawns a different thought and next thing you know <laughs> your brain's way the fuck over here thinking about that but even those moments, it's a good time to pause whatever the fuck it is you're doing, stop listening to it, and start listening to whatever's going on in your head and, and follow that. Some, some of the intuition, we all have creativity. Um, you know, a lot of people feel that, uh, you know, every, everyone kind of has their place at the top, and I don't, I don't believe so. I don't think it works that way. I think that some people enjoy being lazy, and some people enjoy uh, spinning their tires and being in the same, it's like being complacent. Um, but I do feel that everyone does possess um, at least some similarities when it comes to uh, being creative or being a quote-unquote genius. I think a lot of us have have that inside of us, um, but we don't really. Ta- a lot of us don't ever tap into it. Um, there's uh, been some research to show that uh, Olympic gold medalists use like something crazy, like 30% of their brain, whereas everybody else only uses like five or 10% of their brain, and so. Being able to tap into that other side obviously has a lot of value for us. How do we do it? It's by paying attention, by being mindful, by understanding what your body is trying to do rather than just being in this rat race every single day. People are living with anxiety. People are living with depression. People are living with this stuff and they just think it's normal, but they're not feeding themselves properly. 
they're not sleeping properly, uh, they're not treating themselves properly. Everyone, regardless of how athletic or how unathletic you are, uh, everyone should be treating themselves like they're a professional athlete in some way. Everybody should be kind of uh, pampering themselves with figuring out ways of recovering, maybe not from some treacherous workout, but just recovering from their life, recovering from everyday work, um, you know, being unplugged, you know, being unplugged a little bit, meditate. You know, I, I, I don't, um, I don't meditate often, but I try to do it here and there. It's effective. Just even, even meditation aside, even if you think that's weird, just how about you just slow the fuck down for a second? Yeah. Just slow down. Just fucking get in a hot tub or something or just wherever you can go and be by yourself for a little bit, just slow the fuck down. It, it, it could be three minutes. It doesn't have to be. It's not asking for like this uh, really long period of time that you need to like be in this crazy deep thought. And uh, some people like to take that further than others. Some people uh, like to do mushrooms and run around the woods naked and chase after bears. And I think if we all had the opportunity to do it, we would we would do it, right? But it, everyone's going to take those kind of things to, uh, you know, different levels. But the point is, is it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be hard. It's something that everybody can do, and it's something that will help you tap into uh, just being more mindful, using your mind a little bit more, using your body a little bit more, using your spirit a little bit more. How do we tap into any of this if we're just going so fast and going so hard every single day? Yeah, we got to listen. You know, right. we got to pay, we got to pay more attention of what's going on inside, just how we, it's not just a physical attention, you know, like it's, it's, it's fairly easy to teach an athlete how to pay attention to his body. Like where are we at today? You know, without using, you know, an aura ring or, or any of these activity trackers and sleep monitors and all mm -hmm. this shit. Like if you're really paying attention, you can figure out like, Hey, I slept great last night. Right. My body feels good. Like I can push it hard today in the gym or right. Man, I fucking went to bed and was tossing and turning the whole night. I mm. feel like shit. My heart was racing when I woke up. Maybe it's a better day to fucking go to the beach or just go for a walk in nature. You know, those right. kind of things. But that same physical aspect of, of mindfulness and paying attention to what's going on inside can be extrapolated to our emotional state, our mental state. Like, hey, do I have a fucking scatterbrain right now? Let's slow down. Let's get quiet. Let's right. Let's draw that in. Let's kind of shift that consciousness away from the high beta state fucking go 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 to <laughs> yeah let's relax it's not all that serious let's i think relax. i think if you were to take uh you know if you were talking to um a bunch of uh you know first or second grade kids and uh you asked them and you said hey um you know who in here feels they're original you know who in here feels they have uh originality original ideas I bet you a lot of you'd see a lot of hands go up. If you ask that to a bunch of adults, there'd be probably a couple of people just barely, you know, it'd be a little bit more scarce. And I think that something happens along the way. You know, when you're a little kid and people tell you that you can't do this, you can't do that. Hey, Kyle, you can't punch another kid in the face. You're like, fuck you, I'm going to do it for a living. <laughs> <laughs> of course I can punch him in the face. I'm going to get paid for it one day and it's going to be awesome. Everybody's going to love it. <laughs> but... I think, you know, people are, are uh, they're going to tell you uh, what's right and what's wrong over and over again. And it's, there's some people that have the ability to kind of tune some of that out. There's some people that hang on for long enough. Maybe they have enough for myself. It's always been I had enough love in my life. I have two great parents. Uh, there's a lot of love in our household, and I've, I've met a great woman. My wife, Andy, is amazing. She is amazing. Uh, children are fucking awesome. Like, I, I just, I have it, you know, uh, I have it really good. And so for me, it allows me 
to not get caught up and not get bogged down with a bunch of bullshit. But I think that people's creativity gets sucked out of them at some point. They're, they're at a low. They start to listen to everything that people say. The slingshot was a bad idea. Power magazine was a bad idea. The podcast was a bad idea. A free gym was a bad idea. I'm like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> until I knew, you know, until I knew that it was the right thing to do. I heard enough people that I thought were like, um, to me, after a while, I was like, the fuck do these people know? But it took me a long time to get there. It took me a long time to be strong enough to question what these people were saying. Um, I took, I shopped the slingshot around to other companies. Other companies had an opportunity uh, to be part of, you know, I've, I've sold probably a, 750,000 slingshots slanging slanging you know um so we're, we're i think we're approaching about a million slingshots sold uh since the infancy of the company but when i shopped the idea around people were like i don't know what you're talking about it doesn't make any sense um i'm like well it's, it's you know supportive it's for you know it'd be like for bench press and uh, i said well bench press is kind of similar to push-ups so maybe it would help with that too maybe it helps with kind of a bunch of pressing motions, maybe even helps with like dips or something. I was like, I don't know, inclined dumbbell bench. So I'm just kind of like, you know, I, I didn't have a concept down yet, you know? So I, I played around with a lot of different ideas. Um, but before I ever played around with the, uh, these ideas, my idea was shot down, you know, over and over again. And at a certain point, it kind of just depends on where you are in your life. But again, back to me being fortunate, having a lot of love in my family, and also aside from being fortunate just me recognizing that i have that some people don't recognize how good they have it some people have some great things in their life uh, and they're focused in on all this other bullshit that's going on um be good to those people that are good to you and do nothing else is is a, a motto i live by that i learned from ed Cohn, the greatest power lifter of all time that's i mean that's some fucking wisdom for you because if you think about that that's really hard to do think about just okay Who's good to me? Okay, my wife's really good to me. All right, my dad's, you know, and, you, and then you think about all these people that try to pull you in different directions and tell you that you suck at something. And, and, and your first thing is like, okay, they threw a punch at me. I'm fucking throwing a combo at them and I'm knocking them the fuck out. You know, that's what you're thinking. But you're like, that's a complete waste of time. That's a complete waste of energy. Why don't I put those combos into something else? Why don't I put that energy, focus that energy into something different? Focus that energy into something positive, something that can move me forward. And so... For me, I was strong enough to kind of hang on for long enough to where I was like, fuck that, man. This is a good idea. And then a lot of times for people, a tragedy will happen. Something will happen uh, that sparks or spawns an idea or just spawns them to fucking get off their ass and go. And for me, that was the death of my brother. My brother passed away. Uh, I got a phone call. I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was kind of weird how vividly I remember it. But um, I got just got home from the gym. It was a training day. It was on a Sunday. And my dad called me. And, like, I, I don't know. I've seen my dad cry twice, I think, you know. I think most people, a lot of people have that story. They haven't really seen the, their pops cry that much. I haven't seen him emotional. But his voice was so, it was just so stressed. It was insane. I mean, stress is not even the, not even, not even the right word. And he's like, Mark. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm here. And he's like, your brother, he's gone. And I, I knew what he meant because my brother struggled with addiction his whole life and stuff. And so, uh, and then my mom's yelling in the background and that was brutal. My mom's yelling, no, no, it didn't happen. I'm like, oh my God, this is crushing me. And um, 
you know, that was that was a, that really shook our family up really, really badly, as you can imagine. And I just remember, like, I'm like, okay, where the fuck do I go? You know, my my wife's here, and I can cry all day in front of her, but like, I I'm not prepared to have a conversation with the kids right now about my brother uh, dying from an overdose or whatever the fuck it is he died from. You know, so like, I'm just gonna go into the bathroom by myself for a little bit, and so I went in there for a little bit, tried to collect my thoughts and tried to pull everything together the best I could. And, and, and so I did right away. I, I tried to tell my kids, you know, what happened because I always feel that it's really important to be inclusive and it's really important that your family understands what's going on. My family knows where I'm at right now. They know I'm with you. They know the on Academy. I've explained as much as they can handle of me explaining what the fucking on Academy is to a 10 and 13 year old kid. Right. They they get it. They at least have a basis and understanding of what's happening. And so, you know, I told him, I said, yeah, your your uncle, he passed away. He's uh, been addicted to drugs his whole life. And uh, we can have a deeper conversation about it some other time. But uh, that's why dad's real sad. And that's why, you know, I'm 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 out of here. I'm going to take off for a little bit and go hang out with my friends. So I did that. And again, I, I'm fortunate to have some uh, strong people around me. That I can go to. I went to my friend's house, hung out with him. His dad died like just a few weeks earlier, mm. and the same thing happened. All the guys from the gym, whoop, they all huddled around him. When my brother died, all the guys from the gym, boom, they all huddled around me. So it's great to have that network of friends. It's great to have people that care that much. But it was probably just maybe a week or so later, I went to bed, and uh, you know, I I I'm not like aliens and fucking ghosts and like all these different things i i i believe in them you know but i'm not like uh crazy you know crazy into it or anything like that or into these weird conspiracies of, of different things but um i went to bed that night and i had this whisper in my ear and it just said it was like i was dreaming about my brother and he was there and he like whispered in my ear and it just said think and i, I woke up i was i was covered in chills I was fucking sweating. I was like, I felt sick. I don't know what the fuck happened, you know? And so from that moment on is when I was like, whatever the fuck happened, I do need to think. I do need to be more mindful. I do need to uh, pay attention to what the fuck's going on. You know, I have this impulse to make this fucking tool that I think can really help people, that I think can really, um, you know, save a lot of people. A lot of people are super passionate about lifting. And they get a chunk of it taken away from them. They can't bench press anymore because their shoulder hurt. And in a lot of ways, some of the tools and some of the devices that I make are not just helping people lift more weight. They're helping them with their life. It's inspiring them. They're excited. If, if they're wearing the strong sleeve and it's helping them because they have a bum knee, that's a huge lift for them. That's a huge um, emotional victory for them that they're able to go back and still do some of these things that they that they love doing. And so I started putting my time and energy into the slingshot. And as I was doing that, I started thinking about all the people that have told me over the years, yeah, yeah, I used to, I used to be able to do that. And I'm always like, oh shit, why do they, why do they always say they used to be able to do it? They get hurt and then they can't do it anymore. It's like, that fucking sucks. And so, um, you know, started thinking of some ideas, messed around with a bunch of bad inventions and uh, bad ideas that didn't work. Um, I, I bought a bunch of super tight Under Armour shirts and uh, <laughs> tried to bench with those. I well, One day I was putting on a t-shirt and I put it up over my bicep and then put the other side up over the other bicep. 
And then, you know, before you stick your head in, in the hole to, to pull the shirt down, I kind of just pulled my elbows back a little bit. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, like maybe this thing that I'm thinking about would work like this. Because when you spot people on a incline dumbbell bench or dumbbell bench press, you spot their elbows. I'm like, now the shirt's on my elbows and it's going across my chest. I'm like, okay, well, it can't be made out of like cotton, you know? And so I tried these Under Armour shirts that I got were a couple sizes too small and I had my arms all forward and it probably made me help me lift an extra like five pounds, but it hurt and like marked me up. And I'm like, shit, if I do that to the general public, they'll eat me alive. They'll be fucking pissed for me. I'm like, Hey, five pounds is five pounds. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is fucking great. But I knew that wouldn't be accepted. And plus the thing wore out right away. Cause once yeah. you stretch this Under Armour shirt in one direction, it was kind of toast, you know? So I played around with a bunch of other ideas and then, my dad and I, we were, I was like Rain Man for a long time. I had all this equipment all over my fucking house. I had this one room that was like an R&D room back in the day. It was just a, a spare bedroom that we had. And I had um, uh, knee wraps and uh, wrist wraps and squat suits and bench shirts and all these different things. And I'd go in there and I'd fuck around with all this stuff all the time. I don't know why, but I was just into it. Even before I had the idea of the slingshot, I just... Uh, I like the fabrics and the materials, and I was always trying to think of how do we make a better knee wrap, how do we make a better this or better that. That was before I ever had my own production line. I was just thinking, how do I fucking lift more? How can I cheat more? Yeah. <laughs> how can I cheat more so I lift more fucking weight on the platform, you know? And uh, I was playing around with this wrist wrap that I had in the trunk of my car, and I'm messing around with my dad with this thing. And uh, my dad, you know, takes the, the one end, and he loops it around my arm, and I take the other side, loop it around the other arm, and my dad holds the Velcro in the middle, and I pull my arms back, and when I pull my arms back, the thing snaps, and it hits him in the face. He's like, well, shit, that ain't going to work. And I was like, no, that's it. That's it. That was the, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I was like, now I just need to figure out how to you know, make it so it doesn't fucking tear apart or whatever. And so my wife, um, you know, people that are listening to this right now, use, stop for a second and think. Use the resources that are around you. You know more people than you think you do. And there's, uh, they used to say there's, what, seven degrees of separation. Well, now there's only one because you have the fucking internet. So the, you, you can find anything or anything. write the president right now. Yeah, right, right. You can tweet him and he might get you back like he did with uh, one of our guys in the gym, uh, Ryan Spencer, who's a, um, who works for the, uh, he works at the, at the Capitol building. He made some comment to Trump, some smart-ass comment, and Trump responded back. <laughs> Pretty fucking cool. But anyway, I started playing around with this idea, and I, I told my wife about it. And uh, my wife's like, oh, my friend, you know, she makes swimsuits for uh, our entire swim team. My wife's been a swimmer all her life, and it's like, maybe she could sew something together for you. So I met with her outside of a Starbucks in uh, Woodland, California, and I had all these, like, wraps and knee wraps and stuff, and I said, hey, you think you can help me with this? You know, you can sew something like this together? She said, yeah, I think so. Um you know, I'll meet you here next week and I'll have it, have the thing sewn up for you. And I was like, cool. So I met her there again and right down, right um, within like a, maybe a hundred yards or so of, of that Starbucks is a fitness 19. So I, uh, I'm super excited. I'm, she shows me this, this thing she sewed together out of elastic and, uh, I'm like, Oh, stay right here. I'll be right back. And I run into this gym, just run in like you own the place. That's how you always get past the front desk. You know, you just pretend that you're there every day. <laughs> I'm you know? somebody. Yeah. And you don't have a membership or whatever. 
I was a fugitive at many gyms and never paid for any membership, so I was used to. <laughs> I know the game, you know. Hey, is Bob here? Oh, yeah, he'll be he'll be in here tomorrow. Huh? All right, cool. And you just whoosh, you just go right past the uh, the person at the front door. But so then I go I go to the bench press, load it to 135 pounds, to throw on this uh, you know preliminary version of a slingshot and bench 135 for like 10 reps, and it feels like empty bar. And I get up off the bench and just covered head to toe in goosebumps. Like this is fucking awesome. Like this is like uh this is my ticket. I don't know what you know what's gonna really come of this fucking thing, but this is this is awesome. I need to get a bunch of these made, I need to test them. And so I went back to this woman, her name's Marilyn, went back to her and said, Hey, I need like four or five of these for my gym so we can test them, make sure no one dies, make sure nobody gets fucked up from it. And uh from that point, after we tested them and stuff, it was just a matter of uh, finding a manufacturer and the complicated thing I did um, which makes me a fucking genius is I sat at Starbucks on my iPhone and I typed in knee wrap manufacturer and I hit hit up one of the knee wrap manufacturers and the first guy didn't work and the, we got a bunch of shitty slingshots from him I typed it in again a few weeks later went to a second guy and the rest is history. So it doesn't have to be that hard. It doesn't have to be that difficult. Hopefully you don't have to go through a tragedy the way that I did. But use your phones. Use your resources that you have around you. Hell yeah, brother. The origins of the slingshot. There you go. I love it. Well, where, uh, I mean, you have, the PowerCast is one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, awesome. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. You had an excellent guest named Kyle Kingsbury on not too long ago. That guy was really handsome. I was shocked. Not bad, right? And Jesse <laughs> Burdick was also there, so we, we had a good conversation together. Um, Gary V was one of my fucking favorites. Yeah. You know, I've been a fan of Gary V's, and you guys crushed it. You went up to New York and yeah. podcasted with him. I th still say that your episode with uh, Dr. Andy Galpin was not only better than Rogan's, but better than mine, <laughs> and just fucking out of this world. And you have so many you know, great podcasts. You also have a YouTube channel. Yeah. You're, you're fucking crushing it on instagram and and twitter and facebook trying to pump out information yeah where where can people find you on all this stuff uh at mark smelly bell on instagram and twitter and then the U youtube handle is super training 06 and then anybody that wants to come to super training gym the gym's free the gym's free and it used to be kind of like an open type thing on on sunday but now we're just opening up the whole weekend saturday and sunday anybody that wants to come all you have to do is send us a message ahead of time. Make sure that we're there and make sure we're prepared because, uh, you know, now we're starting to get a lot of people flowing in there. And it's um, anyway, just make sure make sure you hit us up. Make sure we're, we're aware that you're uh, you're coming in. And the place to hit us up is uh, on the uh, Super Training Gym Instagram. So just slide into the DM. Slide it into the DM. That's right. Well, fuck, it's been excellent having you. You're going to jump on a podcast later with Aubrey Marcus, our, our uh, commander in chief. The CEO, and uh, that's going to be excellent. You get to dive into some cool shit. Um, your brother and you have, have put together some amazing documentaries. I, talk, I speak often about prescription yeah, drugs, thank you. bigger, stronger, faster. And you got another one coming out soon, right? Yeah, you know, my brother is, uh, you know, back to that creativity stuff. My brother is insanely creative. You know, that's a real gift that he has. He's really powerful when it comes to that. And, uh, in fact, he's come up with a lot of the quotes and the stuff that you see on the shirts and Strength is never a weakness. A lot of the stuff that we use, um, he's come up with a lot of that dialogue just because he's just his mind just works that way. Really smart. But 
he and I are working on a nutrition movie. We're not really sure the exact name of it, but the name will shape as we go. War on carbs, land of confusion. We're kind of going back and forth between a couple different things because people are really confused on what to do. And uh, you'll have one guy one week say, hey, you know, a low-carb diet is the way to go. And you'll have another guy on, on the extreme and say, you know, says it's unhealthy. Somebody will say eggs are healthy. Somebody will say eggs are bad for you. Some people think meat's bad for you in general. You shouldn't eat it. There's all kinds of stuff to get into. And even when it comes to digestion, you know, you think, okay, well, digestion has to do with, like, your stomach. And it's like, well, no, you can back it up a little bit. Okay, digestion starts with, like, your tongue and your teeth and chewing and all that stuff, right? It's like, well, no, it it actually starts (laughs) before any of that happens. It, it, It happens in the cooking process. Well, no, hold on doesn't necessarily happen in the cooking process. How How is the meat uh, prepared before it's cooked? How is the meat treated before it's cooked? Is it grass-fed? Is it organic? Uh, so the list of things, uh, you know, goes on and on and on. And so far what we've learned um, from just several, several people that we've interviewed is that it seems like the answer kind of keeps kind of going back to the middle. And Andy Gelpin said something to us. Uh, that I thought made a lot of sense. He said, with most people that at least understand fitness, at least understand health in some fashion, um, they have like just a little, little preliminary uh, education on like a bodybuilding diet and a low carb diet and stuff like that. He said, if it, he goes, all I have to do is stare at them, and they know the answer. So if if uh, if you were to say right now is milk bad, then I just <laughs> just fucking stare at you. Like, what do you think? Like. And, and what that does is it kind of puts you on the spot and it makes you think and you're like, well, bad is probably not the right word. Uh, maybe some people don't digest milk as well as others. Uh, milk has some good properties to it and maybe it has some bad. Like, then it gets you thinking. And again, the answer kind of always lies down the middle. So that's what he and I are trying to tackle. I'm really excited about it. We're going to see Rob Wolf in uh, just a couple of days. We interviewed Stan Efferding, Andy Galpin. We have so many, we have so many people to get to. Um, I'm sure we'll end up back down here at the Audit Academy to talk to you guys and to talk to Aubrey and stuff, because I think that this is a this is a bigger thing to tackle than just nutrition. I think uh, it ends up being for some people it ends up being religious. Some people it ends up being a spiritual thing. There's there's a lot that goes into into all this, and so uh, that's what the movie's about, and that's what we're working on. Hell yeah, brother! I'm absolutely pumped. Cool. Thanks for thanks for coming. Thanks for jumping on the On It podcast. I can't wait to listen to you on the Aubrey Marcus podcast. Awesome. And uh, fuck yeah. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to the On It podcast with our guest, Mark Bell. If you got more questions, make sure you tune into Facebook Live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central Time. You can write them in ahead of time if you're not going to make it for the actual live, and I'll still answer your questions. And uh, be sure to check out Mark Bell's PowerCast. It's an amazing podcast with amazing guests. I think you guys will dig it. Thanks for listening. One of the challenging things anybody has to deal with with supplementation is just figuring out what to take. And then once you've figured out what to take, you got to bring it with you. you got to pack it. you got to actually make sure you comply with the protocol. And that was what our thinking was when we designed the TPC Day and Night Packs. We basically put together all of our flagship formulas from Alpha Brain, Shroom Tech Sport, New Mood, Key Minerals, Spirulina Chlorella, Virutech, Shroom Tech Immune, Krill Oil, all of our best stuff and divided them out into the day and night pack.
And the cumulative effect of all of these things is just going to feel like your brain is turned on, you have more energy, you have more ability to get stuff done, your immune system is going to be supported. When it comes time to rest, you're going to find it easier to relax, easier to fall asleep. All of the bases of optimization are covered. So all you got to do is with breakfast, you rip open a day pack, you take the supplements. With dinner or before bed, you rip open the night pack, you take the night supplements. And you can rest assured that you're getting the best nutrients that we've sourced, that we've studied in clinical research, and you're covered. You don't have to stress about anything else. It's definitely the easiest way to optimize through supplementation, and I encourage you guys to check it out. Go to onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, and go get you some.